1: What's up, everybody? Anthony Cazenza with CincyJungle.com and the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Happy sort of beginning of the week to you. Feels like it's been a long, long time since I have taken the air, and that's what it feels like with a bye week. But we've got a lot of stuff that came at you last week. We have even more stuff coming at you on the Cincy Jungle podcast channel coming up this week. We're starting with the happening headlines today. Tonight, a little bit later today, we've got Ace and Zim who are on the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel and their show, Orange is the New Black. They are interviewing Jamar Chase's father on the show this evening, so you want to catch that. We are all doing a roundtable later this week as well, all of the Cincy Jungle Podcast crew, and we may have a special guest on our show as well, working on finalizing the booking of that, and we will let you know when that occurs. But like I said, I'm Anthony Cazenza. Coming at you. We're not in the bye week anymore. The Cincinnati Bengals are getting set to take on, don't call them the Oakland Raiders. It is the Las Vegas Raiders. And they have had an interesting season, to uh, put it mildly. So both teams have identical records, and we'll see what happens next week. We have a lot of headlines to get to, as we usually do on the Happening Headline Show, where we talk about. What's going on with the Cincinnati Bengals? What's going on with the AFC North? And of course, around the rest of the NFL. If you're new to this program, this is just one of a few that we do on this specific show, the Orange and Black Insider. We do this one. We have our Wednesday deep dive analysis show with my co-host, John Sheeran. And then, of course, we've got listener questions live, various roundtables, post-game shows, all kinds of different stuff. And you can get all of this stuff that I'm... Prepping you on here and pumping up. You can get all that stuff on iTunes, uh, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, any of the big ones. We're on all of them there, so go subscribe on your favorite streamer. And of course, you can also subscribe on our YouTube channel here. Uh, hi, I'm I'm seeing a lot of hellos and uh, on the various different live streams here, whether it's Cincy Jungle's Facebook page, our YouTube channel various twitter accounts we've got a lot going on here i see rob saying hello Devin k saying hello uh subir khan saying hi brian evans let's go blackthorn all a lot of familiar names some new names good to see all of you and thanks for tuning in live thanks for listening after the fact however you may be doing so let's start getting to some of these headlines. We've got a lot a lot of different things, even though it's the bye week. We've got a lot of different things to catch up on as it pertains to the Cincinnati Bengals. We're going to start kind of with some recent roster transactions, roster moves, that sort of thing to catch you up with. And then uh, we will get into kind of some general news and then lead into what's kind of happening into the week 11 clash in Las Vegas against the Raiders. So, Let's start rolling this thing along on Tuesday here. Let's start just right here. Um, Roster news on Michael Thomas and others. So you can see here, this is as of late yesterday. Bengals sign Michael Thomas to uh, not that Michael Thomas and not even that Michael Thomas, a different Michael Thomas to the 53-man roster. And Austin Calitro. Remember him? Austin Calitro. He is now on the, on the practice squad, and they also made a move to Mitchell Wilcox as well, who is now on the COVID-19 list. So now we've got Mike Thomas on the Cincinnati Bengals. We have Michael Thomas on the New Orleans Saints, and we have Michael J. Thomas, who is also on the Cincinnati Bengals, the defensive back. Um, he was on the practice squad, a recent acquisition there, and now is promoted to the active roster. And so that was that move was made Monday. They also placed tight end Mitchell Wilcox on the COVID nineteen list and signed linebacker Austin Colitro. If you remember, Colitro is a guy who uh, was was with the Bengals during the twenty twenty off season. Um, ended up the Bengals drafted three linebackers, so it was a really crowded position group. Colitro was part of that trade to. Uh, Christian Covington there that the Bengals got right after, you know, right around final cuts and whatnot. So um, they have him back on the practice squad. A got a guy they like for special teams purposes. And there's a corresponding move and a reason why this specific move was made. But Wilcox is on the COVID-19 list and uh, we'll see what happens there. A guy who has only played 31 offensive snaps, but he's been kind of a guy on special teams that they really, really like. A guy that they was an undrafted guy last year and showed enough in preseason and enough special teams value that he beat out Mason Schreck for active roster spots, et cetera. So those are a couple of the recent roster transactions as it pertains to the Cincinnati Bengals here. A couple of happenings there. And I mentioned the Calitro move why that uh, is is something that, you know, is making sense at this point in time. Unfortunately, one of the linebackers that I mentioned that they drafted last year, Akeem Davis Gaither, and a guy who was turning some heads this summer and and actually had a pretty nice start to the season. Obviously, in the two-game skid, a lot of these guys have kind of fallen off a little bit. But Akeem Davis Gaither looks like he will be joining other talented young defensive players like Joseph Osai for uh, on injured reserve and potentially out for the year. He had a foot injury that got him out of the game uh, early. And then all all of a sudden, you know, this looks like he has to have surgery for it and is potentially out for the rest of the year. And you can see on cincyjungle.com, this is relayed via Ben baby's Twitter account here. So I'll post the link in the live chats for everybody to to go check that out on cincyjungle.com. But unfortunately, Akeem Davis-Gaither's season appears to be over. Not good news for the Bengals, who have been relatively healthy. Unfortunately, many of the injuries and significant ones have seemingly come against the defensive side of the ball, which has been a trend over the last couple of years You've now got Joseph Osai potentially out for the year. Wyatt Hubert, a pass rusher they drafted in the seventh round. Um, you know, you, you had other guys that just, you know, were, you were hoping we're going to get kind of rotational snaps. Akeem Davis-Gather kind of coming into his own a little bit this year. And unfortunately, he's going to be um, done for the year. It would appear based on the surgery needed on his foot. Keeping it rolling, uh, they, the Bengals put one player on the COVID-19 list. That was Mitchell Wilcox, and they take one off, and that is Chadobia Awuzie, who was on it. And fortunately enough, if he was to be placed on this list, it was during the bye week. Um, so unfortunately, hopefully he wasn't feeling too lousy, was Chadobia Awuzie during that stint. But uh, <laughs> unfortunately, he spent his bye week, it would seem, or a portion of it, uh, sick. So that's not, that's not good for Chidobi. Sorry about that, but it sounds like he's doing well now. And he is, he spent just three days on the COVID list. As you see there, this article is also on cincyjungle.com written by my colleague, John Sheeran. And you can see that he was on the list for only a few days here. Um, and so now he is back and that is good news because the Bengals are still without Trey Waynes. They're still trying to figure out what's going on on the other side Uh, at at cornerback with Eli Apple kind of having ups and downs they've they added in Trey Flowers they added in Vernon Hargraves so you know these are these are moves that they're trying to figure out things and and obviously um, Zach Taylor this week thinks that though he said that those moves those moves at cornerback Trey Flowers and Hargraves are going to pay dividends down the road not necessarily saying you know we're going to get rid of Eli Apple out of, out of a starting spot or anything like that. But just saying, you know, as, as the year goes on, you need depth. You need guys who were former high picks and or starters in this league. And so Zach Taylor talked about that, but the Bengals did activate Jadobia Woozie from the COVID-19 list. Good news. There looks like he's going to be ready to play against the Raiders unless something else pops up this week. Um, I met, I just talked about this right here. And this is Zach Taylor talking about these veteran corners are going to, quote, pay dividends for the Cincinnati Bengals as the year wears on. And I will elaborate on some of those quotes I just talked about. Here is the link in there for the live chat for folks to go check out. This is from Nathan Bagley on cincyjungle.com. The quote here is that... uh see here it will pay dividends and this is per jeff hobson of bangles.com quote i think what's smart is we've added veteran corner experience and anyone who's been around this league long enough knows that in november december january that's going to pay dividends having a lot of guys there for a variety of reasons quote so it's good to get some guys who have played ball in the nfl before not only played ball in the nfl before but started were former high picks and the like so that's what the Bengals have with the combination of eli apple trey flowers and vernon hargraves so again especially when you talk about apple and where apple and hargraves were drafted in their respective classes and what they have done in their pro careers they've been a bit of a disappointment but when you can kind of patch things together between apple flowers and Hargraves, you know, hopefully that's the type of thing where the Bengals can get by with, with those sort of performances. And we still don't really know what's going on with Trey Waynes at this point, you know, it was just kind of a hamstring tweak, a pulled hamstring. There wasn't, you know, we've never heard anything about surgeries or anything like that. So, you know, he could be one of those guys who returns from IR just after rest, but at this point, based on what has transpired in Wayne's time with the Bengals I I, you just can't you just can't bet on him potentially coming back it just doesn't seem to be in the cards so um, I mean he could come back but it's what I'm saying is it's probably wise for the Bengals to just say we're not going to wait around for that to happen based on what has happened over the past year and a half here so at any rate Zach Taylor is confident in the recent two cornerback additions that they have made to the roster. We're going to get into kind of some general news and things feeding into the Raiders game here. I'm Anthony Kazenza with CincyJungle.com. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Happy to have you with us, whether you're joining us live or if you're downloading after the fact, appreciate the support of the program. Go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you like the video platform, subscribe to that. Click the bell to be notified when we go live and when new content is available. And then of course, if you could leave us a review on the subscription or the uh yeah the subscription on the podcast channel there if you could leave us a review let us know how we're doing and obviously helps us get a little more visibility whether it's our show ace and sims Orange is the new black or matt minnick's coach speak and chalk talk all of those are available for you leave a review for us if you would let's get going here with some I think we kind of knew this. This is news, I guess. I think we kind of knew this was happening back in the 2019 offseason. season, but um, you know, we weren't exactly sure how close or how. Uh, I don't know how. I guess how realistic of an opportunity this was. This this kind of started coming up during the Bengals bye week here that the Bengals were actually pretty close to hiring Eric Bieniemy. In 2019 and this is from uh, a report here Uh, and obviously you can look at the you know what ifs uh, the Chiefs have you know won a Super Bowl and been to another and uh, you know the offense and Patrick Mahomes exploding not so much the same thing with the Chiefs this year but they seem to be on the right track now based on what they did to the Raiders last week on Sunday night football but this was from Maurice Jones-Drew on the Pat McAfee show. Um, Jones-Drew, if, if you remember, was a, a guy who uh, was a, a great running back for the Jacksonville Jaguars, spent a little bit of time, I believe, with the Raiders towards the end of his career there. Um, but he is now an analyst on NFL Network. I believe he does some radio play-by-play as well um, for for uh, the NFL. But he says basically, quote, I think he wants an opportunity anywhere, meaning he being – Eric Bianami. I know he wants to be in the NFL. He was going to take the Cincinnati job. He thought he had it when Zach Taylor got it. Obviously, the way that panned out, it seems like Zach Taylor's doing a better job than what he did the first couple of years. So now we have um, you know, Eric Bianym still waiting his turn. Now there are a lot of different things here. Obviously, a lot of folks are going, well, what would have happened with Eric Bienneme, Andy Dalton, Joe Burrow, etc., if if With the Bengals, if he was the head coach here, what kind of staff would he have assembled? Um, Might the Bengals be in a little bit different spot, better or worse, if Eric Biennemi was the coach for the team? But what ifs are uh, not really relevant right now? And unless this year goes absolutely the wrong way after this bye week here, You know, I don't. I don't think Biennemi to the Bengals is going to be a thing for a long time. The connection there obviously was strong. Biennemi played for the Bengals and was a good player for them in the mid and late '90s. Uh, So, I mean, Mike Brown and and others in that building definitely know Eric Biennemi. There's there's some things out there, rumors, whatnot, as to why he may not have. Been chosen for a job yet? Some people believe that he's maybe a little uh, brash, or uh, maybe does an interview as well as others. If you remember, Zach Taylor was a guy who quote blew the doors off of the interview by multiple sources. Um, other people think that you know Eric Bieniemy has a couple of other situations off-field stuff potentially uh, in his past. I mean there's a lot of different stuff that people point to all in all. Um, I think it's kind of a, a shame that he has not had a, an opportunity to coach a team yet. Um, he seems to, from what I've seen in terms of press conferences and whatever, he seems to speak well, command a room and and uh, command respect. And as a guy, obviously with the chiefs, the, the the offensive performance, even with the inconsistencies this year is a guy who seems to be, you know, kind of a no brainer now. The other interesting thing, uh, I don't think he would take a college job based on the interest he has amassed in the NFL recently. But if jobs are slim this year for head coaching jobs around the NFL, um, he's a guy who it wasn't they weren't in the Pac-12 or Pac-10. Um, at least I, I, I memory serves. I don't think the Buffaloes were at the time. I don't know. I got to I got to go back and double check that. Anyway. Uh, he's a guy that could be reunited with the PAC 12 in the form of maybe the USC job, maybe some other jobs that open up there. Um, He went to San Diego state. So, you know, I'm sorry, he went to Colorado. I don't know why I said San Diego state. He played uh, in San Diego. So, uh, you know, I mean, there's, there's kind of some ties maybe to Southern California or the PAC 12 that maybe makes some sense, but all in all um, you know, he's a guy that uh, should get a head coaching opportunity. Definitely in the college ranks, if that's where it ends up being, but uh, should be considered definitely for an NFL job. But it sounded like he expected at at least per Maurice Jones drew to get the Bengals coaching job when it was, when it, when he interviewed for it. So uh, kind of an interesting take there, but again, that's now we're, you know, we're way into the Zach Taylor era now. So, you know, that's, that's where the Bengals ship is headed and who it is being headed by so uh, i guess it's kind of a little bit useless in a way i mean it's interesting to talk about but it's a little bit useless in a way to talk about what could have been or what was expected at the time but at any rate here is uh where we talked about Bengals ownership a little bit here it's a nice little segue this this is really cool katie Blackburn is the first woman who is appointed to the NFL competition committee. Um, So she is one of the most widely respected women in all of professional sport. Definitely in the NFL um, is kind of, you're seeing that she is kind of taking a lot of the responsibilities from her father, Mike Brown, and and she and her husband, Troy Blackburn are, um, you know, kind of, Major major figureheads of the Bengals franchise at this point in time, and of course, her daughters and and particularly Elizabeth Blackburn are taking uh, front row roles with the club and doing some excellent things, including the ring of honor, including, um, executing a great strategy on social media and, and all kinds of different things. So, um, you know, things appear to be heading in a, in a really great direction. And a lot of that has to do with the Blackburn family who, you know, uh, some, all of which for the most part are part of the Brown family too there, but, um, you can see here, we'll put this in. I'll pin this in the live chats for folks as well if they want to go check it out on cincyjungle.com. Uh, this is just kind of talking about, you know, uh, she's she is the executive VP of the team, but she has been named to the competition committee, according to the league's fo- uh, football operations page, and is the first woman in history to be a member. It's a big deal. Now, here's where the big deal is. And we talked about this, I believe, last week the committee is responsible for proposing rule changes and general adjustments to league owners at the annual owners meetings. Now at the, it was kind of a running joke for a while that her father, Mike Brown was kind of um, not, he kind of went against the grain quite often in terms of voting, et cetera, with other owners in the league. However, this is a, a good a, and a pivotal role for a lot of folks because when you look at the taunting rules this year, when you look at the egregious fouls called at critical moments in games that have changed the trajectory of games, namely the Steelers against the, the Bears uh, last Monday night, and then, of course, the Bengals and the Jets a couple weeks ago on Halloween – Um, You know, there are a lot of different things where uh, officials seem to be interjecting themselves more than usual and affecting the outcomes in certain ways. Again, I'm not the guy that likes to point to they lost because of the officials, but um, they are having impacts on on contests. There's no doubt about it. So uh, this is this is kind of a big deal for not only being obviously uh, a Bengals representative in the. Competition committee, but a, a woman in a first, the first woman in league history to be a member, but also just in general, what comes with being on this committee. It's a big deal in general. So kudos to Katie Blackburn, the Bengals and, uh, and, and the Brown family. they really cool piece of news there. And you can check it out more on cincy with the link I provided in the live chat. We're gonna keep going here with we've got a lot of Bengals stuff to talk about. So we're gonna talk about that. We're gonna talk about the AFC North, what's going on there. A really, really wild and helpful week for the Bengals on a bye week from the AFC North. So we'll we'll get to that and then of course we'll talk a little bit of Raiders, rest of the NFL, etc, as the Bengals get going and uh, are are heading to Sin City. At the end of the week here, so we'll 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 see what happens here with the Bengals and the Raiders, but uh, shaping up to be an interesting one. Two kind of in a lot of ways similar teams, but also some drastic differences. Uh, the the records are reflective of each other, so uh, should be a really really fun game, interesting game, I would think, for a lot of different reasons, venue included. So this is kind of becoming a big topic talking point as well. And this is the, from the Cincinnati Inquirer uh, and Kelsey Conway, one of the newest contributors over there. And she does a great job along with Charlie Goldsmith and others. Um, really all the local Cincinnati media does a, a great, great job, but here's the link. I'm going to pin that in the live chat for you all to go give them a look over at the Cincinnati Inquirer here. But you can see here Since uh, Jesse Bates, during the bye, week, kind of opened up a little bit about his quote-unquote struggles and his uh, inability to make the game-changing plays that we've seen. Now, John Sheeran and I have talked about this quite often on our Wednesday show, wherein Jesse Bates has always kind of been a bit of a, a tale of two seasons type of guy right? Uh, One half of the season is not great. Another half of the season is outstanding. And that's kind of just how he's been or and or both, both. uh, He's good through both halves of the season, but one has a lot more turnovers, impactful plays, as opposed to another. But you see here, quote, I was hoping to be the next guy up, uh, which is what he was saying a, a couple of months ago in terms of a contract extension. Quote, but like I said, it is what it is. So they gave one to Sam Hubbard, and then you can see here uh, uh, talking about you know what he's. I, I think I'm going to continue to show it with my play. and Maybe play a little pissed off. Well, quote: This is the best situation we've been in. We've been in going into a bye weekend, so it's a, not more about the the personal level. Uh, so quote: I haven't played as well as I wanted to. Talking about this year, Bates said. I'm just happy that we're in a situation to win ball games. Honestly, this is the best situation we've been in going into a bye weekend. So it's it's not more about the personal level. Now, when you sit when he says this is the best situation we've been in going to a, into a bye weekend, he means obviously his career. I would think 2018 the Bengals got off to a really fun start, and then the wheels started falling off, particularly on defense. That's when they made the uh, you know Terrell Austin lost his job middle of the year. Marvin Lewis assumed play calls. It was just getting messy. Bengals ended up stumbling to the finish line there. And then, of course, Zach Taylor was hired there. And then, you know, the first two years of the Zach Taylor era were not great. So um, he's talking about how this feels a lot differently in 2021 than uh, the past years of his professional career. Continuing on, obviously, like I said, I have to play better for us to win games. And I know that I haven't played up to that level, but I think I can. I feel like my mind was, and this is where it gets really, really, eye opening. Honestly, it was on other things throughout the first part of the season talking about um, you know, his his contract, maybe making sure he stays healthy and ensures that he makes some money next year, etc. If the Bengals cannot come to a, a long-term agreement for Jesse Bates, it seems to be pretty obvious that they will be using the franchise tag on him. At least that's the assumption going on here. So, uh I you know, I, I don't know uh I, I don't know what what the Bengals plan is per se at this point in time obviously they wanted to get a deal done but it was not something that was agreeable from Jesse Bates camp particularly when they they figured what was coming on the Jamal Adams front they saw what Justin Simmons got. Um, you know, there, there are a lot of safety deals out there to use as barometers and the Bengals. That's just not a position they pay super heavy, like a wide receiver, offensive tackle, quarterback, etc. It's just not a, not a position they pay overly well comparative to others. But, uh, obviously Jesse Bates is one of the best players on the team does have an interception against, uh, on, on in this season, just one. And it was against the jets made it all the way down to the one yard line. If only, somebody, Logan Wilson or anybody else around there, just kind of turned their head and uh, knocked one guy out of the way. He would have cruised into the end zone and maybe we're talking about a different game based on the offense going out on downs to start that game. But alas, anyway, he needs to make some more plays. But uh, the defense has also been slipping in general the past couple of weeks. So they need to make some more plays here. Uh, We'll see. But interesting to hear Jesse Bates talk about some things and be pretty candid about a lot of these things. Uh, Let's see here before we start transitioning into what's going on in, in uh, with the Bengals as they head to Las Vegas to take on the Raiders. Here's a couple more in terms of a look back from the bye week and where the Bengals are. This one is, Oh boy. Um, Let me see if I can zoom this in for folks here. This may be a little bit, uh, a little bit better. This is from Michael Lopez. Uh, this is likelihood of. Let me see if I can. Here we go. This is this is better. When teams run on third or fourth down, how likely are they to pick up a first down? And this it says some pretty massive gaps here. Um, the Chiefs' ball carriers on third or fourth down on a run play are getting. A first down on 79.3% of plays. They are tops in the league, and you can see that on this graph. The Bengals ball carriers, 14.4%. Now, that probably includes Joe Burrow as well, calling his own number. That includes Joe Mixon. That includes Samaj P. Ryan. Whatever. Third and fourth down. If the Bengals are running the football, how likely are they to pick up a first down? 14.4% 14.4% on a run play. That's not getting it done. That is last in the league, as you can tell by this graph. Here are the Chiefs. All the way down here, if you look at my mouse cursor, there are the Bengals. Yikes. So, while Joe Mixon is having an impact, while the offensive line, namely guys like Jonah Williams and Quentin Spain, have, have been really good players, there are issues still running the football in some of those obvious Running situations. And here's the other problem. Sometimes the Bengals get themselves in an early uh early series predicament wherein they're they have third and long. So maybe they try, you know, I'd have to go back and look at all of the run plays that they decided to, to do on third and fourth down. But uh man, that's a big disparity there in terms of uh Chiefs 79.3 Bengals 14.4, and that is on twitter.com at stats by Lopez, Michael Lopez really interesting i found that and i uh wanted to share that with folks not a great number there but i guess we gotta we gotta share a positive on the flip side and this is from our buddy willie let we got to get willie on our on our show here willie's a a great guy and a good follow a good good um kind of brings up i don't want to say obscure but it brings up some kind of lesser known stats and pff scores and rankings and stuff uh, on his Twitter account at Willie with an I E underscore Lutz L U T Z, Joe Batchy, the linebacker the Bengals have called up and, and used sparingly on defense and in special teams roles. Joe Batchy was a late preseason addition for the Bengals, and he's become one of their best special teams players. His PFF special teams grade is in the nineteenth is the nineteenth best in the NFL at eighty seven point one, which is the third highest among second year players. So uh, saying Batchy's earning a nice special teams linebacker role with the Bengals. That's kind of a, uh, that role with the Bengals, at least it's kind of the Dan Scooter role. Remember? Uh, and these are the types of, of scores and different things where uh, players parlay that those into starting roles or heavy rotational roles, a good free agency contract, whether it's with the team they are currently with or another team, uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta say kudos and uh pat pat them on the back so to speak and and give them give them the applause that they like i'm seeing josh cook and this is a great segue here josh cook what does the rest of that shirt look like if he's talking about mine this is from the ken anderson store it's ken anderson and isaac curtis it says let me move over here legends and that is from the ken anderson alliance charity you can go on that website the ken anderson alliance website and go, and uh, you can use, you can donate in the form of buying things that are Ken Anderson memorabilia, Bengals memorabilia, that sort of thing in the store to help out the Ken Anderson Alliance. If you remember, a few months ago we ran a charity thon, a, a, a Bengals charity thon to, uh, to not only highlight the Ring of Honor inductees, but also help out these players and members' great charities. If you remember, we had Ken Riley the second. We had Anthony Munoz on the show and then we had Ken Anderson on the show talking about their respective charities and the great work that they are doing. We raised, uh, basically about 2,200 bucks for, uh, for the three charities there. Thanks to generous, generous donations to all of you. And yes, I am slacking. We have identified some winners of some giveaways there. We just got to mail them out and announce those we we've got winners, but so we'll get some things to, to those folks and announce that in a little bit, but Again, a thank you for all of you who who donated and/or just spread the word. Just so if you've supported those charities in the past, think about doing so going forward. And here's why: because this is the type of thing that these charities and these representatives do. This is from uh, I believe it's uh, W. Is it WLWT? Um, I'll have to look. Yeah, WLWT, the NBC affiliate in Cincinnati or in Ohio here. Anthony Munoz buys new shoes, pizza, and all kinds of other things for 33 Cincinnati children. And it is with his, you can see the logo there on his jacket, the Anthony Munoz Foundation uh, that is based in Cincinnati. And he took him 33 kids shopping for shoes, pizza, all kinds of stuff shoe giving charity event um and obviously kind of coming up here against thanksgiving that's coinciding with that so uh it was a handful of Euler school elementary school children his respective charity helps lesser fortunate families and lesser fortunate children and this is one of the ways that he and his foundation are impacting folks so when you see headlines like this and and when we this you know we were not part of this as a show or anything but You know, just showing support for these kinds of organizations. This is the kind of stuff that you're supporting. This is the kind of stuff that when you donate, it goes towards endeavors like this. So, uh, you know, thank you to the Munoz Foundation. Thank you to Anthony Munoz, not only for his generosity to this show, but his immense generosity to the the cincinnati area families and children um as well as what ken anderson does with his ken anderson alliance and the ken riley Mm -hmm. foundation go support all of those individually even if you supported a couple months ago through our show go support what they do really really cool thing and i saw this come across the wire here so um a a tip of the cap to to mr muñoz for the work that he does that his foundation does and we want to highlight that
0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
1: Before we get into some other items with the Bengals going into the game against the Raiders, and then we're going to transition into the AFC North and the NFL, we would be remiss if we did not tell you about and highlight our partnership with Symbol, S-I-M-B-U-L-L. This time it's .com. They've got their new website, Symbol.com backslash O-B-I. And you can go there, sign up. And What they have for you is a specific incentive for our Orange and Black Insider listeners. What is Symbol? First of all, Symbol, again, S-I-M-B-U-L-L, is where you can buy and trade teams like stocks, buy-sell trade teams like stocks. So if you're familiar with the stock market, if you play the stock market, you know how it goes. You can invest in shares of a specific product. In this case, it's a team. And when you invest in that, you can hang on to them long term, let them accumulate, hopefully profit, and then sell them off and take that money for yourself as profit. Otherwise, you can play short-term plays where you think there's a good opportunity and teams are on the rise here. Invest, sell it off quickly, make a little money that way. But regardless, Symbol is so confident that you will be successful in their platform and what they are doing. They are giving you a 90-day deposit protection guarantee, meaning... If you sign up using the promo code OBI, of course, short for Orange and Black Insider, you can have your money protected for the first 90 days up to $500. So if you put in your account $500 in which to invest, you invest some of it, you invest all of it, what have you. If you are dissatisfied, if you are losing money or what have you in some weird occasion that you are losing money, you can pull your money out of that and they will refund you what you've lost and protect you up to $500 and in a 90-day window, but you got to use the promo code OBI in order to take advantage of it. If you play fantasy football, if you play survival football, if you do any of that kind of stuff, you got to check out Symbol. It is an awesome product and we can't thank them enough for supporting a partnership between us, but Got to to go take advantage and got to use that promo code OBI at symbol.com backslash OBI. Check it out. And of course, use any of that kind of stuff, whether it's survival football, fantasy football, symbol, you know, operate responsibly, but they're helping you operate responsibly with that 90 day deposit protection that they've got going for you. So got to use that promo code OBI, OBI, got to use it. All right, here we go. Bengals, Raiders, they are heading to Las Vegas. This traveling West has not, especially against the Raiders for some reason, has not always treated the Bengals overly well. I remember going to a game in person in 03, Marvin Lewis's first year. John Kitna was quarterback, and the Bengals nearly pulled off a big upset against the Raiders in Oakland. Not so. I remember the 2009 team with Bernard Scott and all kinds of different Casts of characters by the Bengals. They were pl- they were having a really good year in 09. And they go to Oakland. And oh boy, they lose that one. A friend of mine will never let me forget that because he lost a lot of money in a survival pool that day. Regardless, here we go. The Bengals are traveling a little, a little less west. This time Las Vegas instead of Oakland or Los Angeles. So the Bengals week 11 odds and this is on since they are a slight favorite against the Raiders. Now that that says something because uh, the Bengals here when you when you're a favorite on the road, you know, you're usually, you know, uh, you're you're usually talking about, you know, a home team is usually the favorite by three points or so. That's usually kind of the default line for home teams if it's an evenly noted game. Now, this has been altered oh so slightly. The Bengals are one-point favorites on the road to the Raiders. Now, that changed, obviously, not only with the Bengals' devastating loss and big loss to the Browns, but... The Raiders' big loss, 41-14 at home against the Chiefs on Monday or Sunday night, rather. So the Bengals are now one-point favorites in the Week Eleven road game in Las Vegas, and that is per DraftKings. So I don't know. I don't, that that kind of tells you a little bit of something. And again, this seems to be a somewhat evenly matched team. But I think also the Bengals coming off the bye, the Raiders coming off a, a bad loss, and the potential that the Raiders. All their off-season issue or off-field issues, rather, are coming home to roost, and maybe you know they're starting to get a little distracted, a little bit emotionally fatigued from all of that stuff. We'll see. This is a critical game, though, because there is a logjam in the AFC in terms of wild card race. Really, the AFC North race. There's an article I'm going to talk about in just a little bit on that. Uh, so you know, there is a log jam here. The Bengals, these are these are the games that the Bengals need to win. Now, when you look at what the Bengals, uh, if you look at, you know, the top 10, 11 teams in the AFC, the Bengals face, I believe, six or seven of them. you got the Browns, you've got the Steelers, you've got the Ravens, you've got the Raiders, you've got the Chiefs, you've got the Chargers. That's six right there. And then on the other side, you know, uh, you've, you've got... You've got the Niners as a team that, that you're facing there. So, I mean, they're 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 facing a lot of these teams here and uh, that are right in the mix. And you got to start beating these teams. And the Bengals need to rebound against the Browns, particularly since they lost that first one. The good news is the two games that they already won in the AFC North. They, those teams now come to Paul Brown Stadium. This year, making things a bit a bit easier on that front. But the Bengals right now are one-point favorites in Las Vegas against the Raiders per DraftKings. So go check out that information there. The bang, this, this was interesting. Good friend of the show, Mike Petralia, who was on the show a few weeks ago helping us preview things with the Bengals. Um, he released the Bengals' depth chart on his Twitter account. Go give him a follow at T-R-A-G-S, by the way. Really nice guy and does a great job covering since the Cincinnati Bengals in the uh, the local beat here. Spent years covering the New England Patriots. Did a great job there as well. Now, being from this area, he's coming back and covering the Bengals. But here's here's where it gets kind of interesting. Most of this stuff is predictable. Right guard, though, Hakeem Adeniji getting the, getting the nod over Jackson, Carmen at right guard. So they're giving him a shot there. This is a guy they liked a lot after drafting him last year. Uh, You can see here, you know, main, you know, all kinds of different uh, things that are predictable on the rest of the offense. Uh, One thing that is a little different is Smaj P Ryan, I guess is still listed as the number two back behind Chris Evans, more on Chris Evans in a second. You look across the defense, Here's where things get a, a little – there's a little bit of a difference. Backing up Trey Hendrickson is Khalid Kareem after he came off of uh, IR recently. We knew he's he's been back for a few weeks anyway, but he is the backup there. Backing up Hubbard is Cam Sample. Um, you got Joe Bacci and Marcus Bailey backing up. Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt respectively. So Bailey's the guy they're going to be relying on at least earlier to kind of – remedy the Akeem Davis-Gather loss. Now, Bailey had a, a nice pass breakup in the end zone against the Browns, had to come in and play more snaps that week on defense because of the, the Davis-Gather injury, but he's going to be asked to do more. So is Batchy. And as I as I mentioned earlier, Austin Calitro may be a guy who gets called up in the next couple of weeks, depending on how things go there. So keep an eye on that. Here you go on the on the cornerback spots. Mike Hilton still the starting nickelback with Hargraves. Now the third nickelback behind Jalen Davis. You've got Eli Apple with Trey Flowers backing him up. Apple the starter. Awuzie starting the other corner spot with Phillips backing him up. And then Hargraves there. So Hargraves still down the pecking order quite a bit uh, in terms of the corners. Uh, corner spots. Now backing up Vaughn Bell is Michael J. Thomas, the recently promoted guy I mentioned at the beginning of the show. And he takes the place of Brandon Wilson who tore his ACL and is done for the year as well. So then you got Ricardo Allen. So I think a combination of Ricardo Allen, Marcus Bailey, Joe Bacci, maybe Austin Kalitra in the coming weeks are going to have to remedy, you know, some of these, some of these issues with Davis Gaither being out, out of, you know, uh, passing, passing situations and all kinds of different stuff. So uh, some interesting stuff there. And then you look at special teams, pretty predictable, but look at, look at kickoff returns, Chris Evans, the backup guy. So uh, uh, that's, that's a little interesting. There could be a situation where Evans comes in if, if Phillips is getting more work as the punt returner, and then he's coming in maybe as a, as a cornerback. So that's something to, to continue to look at Evans getting maybe some special teams touches or things where they get the ball in his hands. So keep an eye on that. Keep an eye on that. Last one, just kind of a little little fun one before we start transitioning to the AFC North and then into the rest of the NFL. We're going a little long, but I'll try and hustle here. This is from Jay Morrison of The Athletic. Uh, The CBS broadcast team for Bengals against the Raiders is Ian Eagle, play-by-play, Charles Davis, an analyst, and Evan Washburn, who is the sideline reporter, one of their top teams uh, in terms of broadcast teams. So one that will be broadcasted, I assume, um, pretty heavily on normal local Channels for folks across the U.S. Uh, I, I think that this is a pretty big game, especially with the the Raiders fan base and of course the the records of both uh, both teams at this point in time. So anyway, a little fun one from Jay Morrison. Let's transition into the AFC North and look. This was this was a a really really all so close to ideal weekend for the for the Cincinnati Bengals, if not for that tie oh tie games oh can we just get rid of those please um regardless Steelers tie a winless Detroit Lions team at Heinz Field no Ben Roethlisberger he was on the COVID list but tie a winless Detroit Lions team the Ravens on Thursday night lose to a struggling Miami team in Miami. And by, by the way, that was another one, uh, one of those trap games and a poorly scheduled one. I, I shouldn't say poorly scheduled, but poorly, poorly scheduled for the Ravens because they went to a long overtime with the Vikings. By the way, does that sound familiar? The, the, regardless. So, you, you know, you've got that. You've got the Vikings overtime game. Then short week, they travel on the road to, uh, to Miami, lose there. That helps the Bengals, and then you got the Browns on Sunday getting stomped by the New England Patriots. So two losses and a tie. The other three AFC North teams as the Bengals sat back on their couches and relaxed on on uh, Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night. <laughs> so pretty good weekend. Pretty good weekend for the, the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, Yes, Justin Engraven Graven. Hey, Justin, if you are tuning in live, by the way, go. if you want Ravens news, if you want NFL news, go to this guy's channel. He does it right. Justin from Engraven Vids. Uh, by the way, Justin, if you're available for the rematch, man, we'd love to have you on the program. Love that guy and what he does on his channel. It's high quality work and he's a good dude. So go give his channel uh, a watch if for some reason you are not checking out what he's doing, go check it out. And Justin, if you're available, man, in the next few weeks, let's get you on and talk about the Ravens game coming up here. But regardless, uh, and thanks for listening too, bud. Uh, not a great week for the rest of the AFC North. Um, so as we go on here, let's start with the Pittsburgh Steelers who had that ugly tie with the Detroit Lions. Here we go. this is on behind the steel curtain Our you know, uh, our, our other sister site, if you will, in the SB Nation network. Uh, I'll put that link in the live chats here. Joe Shobert's post-game comments shed light on the Steelers' practice habits and maybe not good ones. Here's the sub-headline by Jeff Hartman there. Are the Steelers not taking practice serious? Joe Shobert suggests that after the tie with the Lions. Well, what's the quote? Quote, yeah, it's, it's – oh, Yeah, it's something we have to go and execute, said when talking about the team's lack of tackling. There were some missed tackles in this game that were unbelievable. Now it was raining. It was gross out there, but still not normal for a Pittsburgh Steelers defense. Quote, it's hard to execute in the middle of the season at practice. So it's something we have to work on and get ourselves in those positions. Take practice serious to improve upon it. Continued on saying it was, quote, it was a sloppy game all around today. The conditions, plays, penalties on the field. We bring refs into practice to try and cut down on that. Ironic. When it comes to tackling, we need to execute it and take it seriously for it to show up on Sunday. Now, Schobert is no stranger to the AFC North, was a star player at uh, with the Cleveland Browns, signed with the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Bengals actually courted him, almost signed him. Then this year, somehow, some way, the, the Jags and the Steelers come up with the trade where Schobert goes to the, to the Steelers and they're able to work some salary cap magic to make it happen. He hasn't had the same impact on the Steelers defense as he, as he was, as he had with the Browns, but regardless, he is a guy that, you know, he's a good player and uh, it's just kind of interesting comments there in terms of, you know, they got to take things a little more serious at practice, maybe work, uh, maybe have a little bit more, I don't know. Uh, Obviously they're limiting physical contact to practice that's part of you know the cba stuff but uh as kind of interesting comments here this has nothing to do with the detroit lions game but we always like to highlight even if it's a a rival team we like to highlight good stories uh this is from devin bush who uh was the ed block courage award winner for uh for this year for the pittsburgh steelers talking his, his quote was, it was hard to understand why talking about his injury last year, um, you know, it quote, it was tough. It was hard to understand why that was the biggest thing for me. I was trying to understand why for a long time, some things happen for a reason, some are out of your control. It, it was tough to watch my teammates from the sideline. It was tough to watch from my own house when they were traveling and winning, I had to be strong for myself and for them as well. I tried my best to stay in high spirits and be as involved as I could. He did suffer the season ending ACL injury against the Browns early in the season. Um, And he was, that was in his second year and was, a was a good rookie. Um, But uh, you know, obviously it ended his season prematurely. Didn't really stop the Steelers from getting into the playoffs, but Obviously, they missed him, and so he is the Ed Block Courage Award winner. This is on Steelers.com. Just kind of a nice story uh, and uh, talking about kind of bouncing back and, and having the mental fortitude to be able to do so and obviously all the things that come with a devastating injury. So I wanted to highlight that um, for, for folks. Now, bad week for the Cleveland Browns, bad week for Baker Mayfield as the Browns, thought they had things figured out after they beat. It doesn't seem how this year goes, especially with the AFC North and the AFC in general. It's like you get a big win, and then you stumble around for a little bit. And in those stumbles usually comes a blowout loss. And it just happened to the Bengals. It's now happening to the Browns. This is a really good good article by a, a popular follow on Twitter, Pete Smith. Um, and this is on SI, the SI network, um, similar to James Rapine's Bengals, Bengals, uh, all Bengals site. This is Browns Digest. So um, kind of a similar, similar network. I believe it's kind of like what, what we do at the SB Nation Network. So um, give this a read. It talks about it's where we are now and where we're headed in terms of the Browns. Um, some quotes, there's some uh, pinned you know, pinned, uh, tweets and whatnot, kind of talking about w- what's happening with the, with the Browns. So just a really comprehensive post and it's kind of, kind of too long to get into it, uh, in terms of the meat of it. But I pinned that in the, the live chats there. It's, it's a good and well done article and I want to give it props. So, uh, go check that out from Pete Smith on Browns digest. And then this is on dogs by nature, our sister site brother site whatever you want to call it at uh, within the SB Nation network dogsbynature.com the Browns do open as 10 point favorites over the Detroit Lions despite the Lions tying the Steelers in Heinz Field so here's the link to that so you can go check that out but they are 10 point favorites against the Lions this may be the get right game so to speak Um, man if if I guess if you want to say the Lions had some building blocks in that tie game, uh, you know, that would be nice to see them parlay that into a win over the Browns. But, uh, you know, they, the Browns are five and five. They now slid behind the Bengals because of that bye week there. Um, the Browns bye week, I, I don't know when it is offhand, but it's got to be coming pretty soon here, I would think. Um, so uh, the, the Lions are 0 and one So it would be a fine time. from a Bengals Nation standpoint, for the Lions to be able to get a win here. But, you know, with the the Browns losing and kind of teetering between 500, not getting – they got pretty far in the playoffs last year, but um, there's just more questions. The OBJ saga, there's more questions with the Browns and Baker Mayfield, especially with the situation of his contract looming. Do you pay him? What do you pay him? How do you structure the the contract, et cetera? Um, and and this is that, you know, the Browns are in that critical window where they're not tying up a ton of salary, kind of where the Bengals are really at this point and the Ravens, because Lamar Jackson's trying to get a a contract extension as well. But, um, you know, all of these teams are in that critical area where they're not tying up a lot of salary cap space to their quarterbacks where they can build around those players. And so, you know, that I think the Browns are trying to take advantage of that, particularly with questions surrounding Baker Mayfield there. So, um, at any rate, that's a little bit of what's going on in Browns Nation there. Let's go with the Ravens. The uh, This is on Baltimore Beatdown, again, within the SB Nation Network. Uh, here, here's an interesting article here from uh, Spencer Schultz. The Ravens offense must find a way to beat pressure looks. Um, so a little bit of an in-depth article here, a good one. And, and it specifically references the Bengals in this. The Dolphins and the Bengals have forced the Ravens to uh, hand and beaten them with pressure looks. They need to respond. Um, the Bengals were doing a lot of different things in that game, and they were able to you know, get sacks and pressures directly from Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson, which was very helpful. Now that you know, when those guys aren't consistently getting pressures, when those guys aren't consistently bringing the quarterback down they're having a little bit of trouble with consistency getting in there, and and you know I, I referenced a tweet from John, uh, my co-host John Sheeran, uh, from that he put out last week talking about Ogan Joby, where he's kind of the Adam Dunn. We talked about it on last week's show. He's kind of the Adam Dunn of football, where it's like he's the forty home run guy that's hitting less than two hundred. Right, it's like strikeout, home run, and that's about it. Maybe the occasional single. Right. Uh, you know, that's kind of occurring across the board with the Bengals. But, you know, I don't want to make this about a Bengals, uh, you know, a, a Bengals type of thing because this is a Ravens article. But uh, you can see here they're they're referencing tweets about um, cover zero. Um, Miami showed cover zero pre-snap 40 times versus Baltimore. And the, the, the Ravens were just struggling on offense that night. Um, and so you can see here Mar- Marcel Louis-Jacques. Saying uh, there are 24 defensive back blitzes in terms of Miami's use of its defensive backs, uh, two or more defensive backs blitzing 12 times, three or more defensive backs blitzing five times. So uh, interesting stuff here. Uh, I, I recommend you take uh, take a look at it at Baltimore beatdown from Spencer Schultz. There, obviously, talking about what the Bengals did and what uh, the Dolphins did in two of the harder losses for the Ravens to swallow. This this. Uh, this year. Continuing on just some quick news with the Baltimore Ravens here. This is just some roster news. Uh, The the Ravens release Le'Veon Bell and he tweets out his appreciation. Um, He played in five games, 83 rushing yards, two touchdowns, Um, looked kind of slow, you know, made a couple of nice nice plays for them, but uh, all in all, they just kind of said, thanks, but uh, we're going to move on. And so, um, you know, he talked about how much he he liked being with the Ravens, obviously kind of back in the AFC North, but um, you know, Le'Veon Bell I, I between college and between his usage in Pittsburgh, there is a lot of mileage on the tires, so to speak. So, you know, he, this, this could have been one of his last stops. We'll see what happens here. Maybe he's one of the obviously didn't work out with the chiefs, last year. And so, you know, he was looking to the Jets before that. So he was looking for kind of a fresh start, got a little bit of one, helped them out a little bit, but then they uh, parted ways here going forward. All right, let's transition a a little bit uh, into NFL overall news. This is still AFC North centric here, uh, and this is on CBS Sports. This is a really cool article, really well done by Brian Diardo on CBS Sports. I'm going to post the link in the live chat here, but it says how each AFC North team can win an up for grabs division. Steelers, Browns, Ravens, Bengals all have a real shot, which team can resolve its big, biggest weakness that will decide the league's toughest division. So uh, there's a little bit of a, a prefacing there. It talks about the Browns. I'm going to let you read all of this. I'll, I'll, I'll talk a little bit. Um, I'll do one little snippet for you in terms of the paragraph. He writes, winning possession downs is an issue on both sides of the ball. The Bengals defense is 17th in the league in third down efficiency, while the offense is 20th in the NFL in that department. Cincinnati's secondary, led by safety Jesse Bates, needs to make more timely stops in obvious passing situations. On offense, the Bengals have to find a way to sustain more of their drives. One solution could be utilizing tight end C.J. Uzama and Drew Sample more in the middle of the field, which would further open things up for Cincinnati's talented receiving core. We talked, uh, I think it was last week, uh, Mike Petraglia talked about how Brian Callahan was talking about the, the need to get some other, other players involved, potentially C.J. Uzama, poten- uh, potentially Tyler Boyd, um, kind of those chain mover type of, of, of players. They need to do that. And this also calls back, um, what was written here also calls back to that tweet I mentioned earlier about the Bengals struggling mightily to get first downs on third downs and fourth downs wherein they run. They're going to it's it's not just passing the football. They need to be able to uh they they've, they've, they can run the ball in spurts, but they need to consistently be able to pick up first downs on the ground and when it is a predictable running running down or running play, they need to convert some of those. They need to be able to do that. And the, there's another stat out there I don't have it in front of me, but the Bengals I I think you know, when you compare the amount of plays per offensive drive, the Raiders have a bunch of plays per offensive drives. The Bengals are like at at five on average, five plays per offensive drives that points to two things that points to scoring on explosive plays. And it points to a lot of three and outs. So a lot of inconsistency on offense. So these are the things that hopefully they are cleaning up over the bye week. If you listen to Joe Burrow on Colin Cowherd show last week and everything, they seem to be pretty confident they will do so. We'll see. But a very, very interesting article here on CBS Sports as it pertains to the AFC North. Now let's talk a little Raiders. There's a quote here since the Bengals are facing off against the Raiders in Las Vegas. Mentioned that a couple of times already on this show. Uh, this is on Raiders.com. Uh, Rich Bisaccia, I think I'm saying that correctly. Uh, Rich Bisaccia, who is the interim head coach after John Gruden was fired earlier this year. Um, his, his message to the team moving forward after this bad loss on Sunday night to the chiefs quote, we are going to look at what we did correctly and build on that. And really we have one game to play. We have to get ourselves ready to play the Cincinnati Bengals here at home. And we'll just go from there. But as far as our team, I think our team has been pretty resilient, Again, I don't think effort has been an issue. We have to do a better job of cleaning up certainly the penalties we've gone through now over the last few weeks, and then our execution being able to execute the play that's called both on offense and on defense. And then we want to keep getting better at tackling, try to improve in everything that we are doing every day. That's really our goal. So singularly focusing on the Cincinnati Bengals says Rich, uh, And so Maybe they'll, maybe they'll clean a lot of things up after what kind of poor performance they showed. That game was pretty close for a little bit on Sunday night, and then they, the Chiefs just really pulled away from it. So uh, at any rate, that is on Raiders.com. You can go find that out. It's kind of a quick hits article. Also a staple in the in the Bangles.com, Jeff Hobson uh, library of posts. So um, go check that out. A couple more, then we're getting out of here because we're going long. Oh boy, I guess we got to do a power rankings one. Let's do power rankings. This is on NFL.com. Packers are the new number one. Okay, because the Cardinals lose at home to Carolina. uh, And Cam Newton makes a comeback here. So this is on NFL.com. Power rankings. I know, I know. People don't always like power rankings. This is from Dan Hansis, who is a prominent figure on NFL.com and their uh, podcast network. Green Bay Packers, Tennessee Titans, Dallas Cowboys, Arizona falls three spots to number four. Buffalo Bills are five. Tampa Bay also lost. They are six and three. They fall to sixth on this list. Uh, Kansas City rises five spots to number seven. New England, who is six and four all of a sudden, they are eighth. The Rams fall a couple of spots after their bad loss on Monday night. Baltimore Ravens uh, are eighth. In the top 10, but at number 10, the Chargers don't look now. They are sliding a team that the Bengals face in a couple of weeks here. So, uh, you know, keep an eye on them. But they are 11th. The Browns at 5 and 5 are 12th, falling two spots. The Saints, 5 and 4. They, I believe, were on a bye week. They are 13th. The Vikings are 4 and 5 and are ahead of the Cincinnati Bengals, a team the Bengals beat in week one. They are ahead of the Cincinnati Bengals. Indianapolis Colts are number 15. They moved up. Here we go. Right smack in the middle here. The Bengals are at 16. The bye came in an ideal time for defensive coordinator Lou Anarumo. Statistically speaking, the Bengals were one of the best defenses in football over the first seven weeks of the season, but things fell apart in back-to-back losses to the Jets and Browns. Cincinnati surrendered 75 points in the two losses. They also turned the ball over a lot. They also had a pick six, but, Okay. Struggling to stop both the run and the pass. Now in his third season on the job, Arumo's future, and since he might hinge on what happens the rest of the way, said Bengals defensive end Sam Hubbard, we got to look at ourselves and see what team we're really made of these last weeks. So that is a little bit of an update from the power rankings perspective. Ooh. We can talk about the ups and downs with Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow. And uh, there's not many downs with Joe Burrow, by the way, he's throwing more interceptions than I think we would all like, but he's also throwing a lot of touchdowns. Say whatever you want about that. Cameron Wolf here at NFL.com has a a column about Tua Tagovailoa and uh, his moment to prove he's the Dolphins franchise quarterback is now a weird, weird set of circumstances in the thursday night game wherein he wasn't fully healthy but he was healthy enough to be the backup Brissett goes out with an injury then tua comes in and leads him to a win has a couple of nice passes a couple of nice runs i mean nothing spectacular but does enough and so you know the handling of tua by miami has just been staggering he was going to be dealt for um it was going to be dealt for Deshaun Watson it wasn't going to be dealt. It was going to be dealt. It was not going to be dealt. So at any rate, um, just kind of a staggering set of circumstances here and an interesting read for folks. Go check that out. Tua Tagovailoa's moment to prove he's the Dolphins franchise quarterback is now. A little bit of drama with the Jets and their current coach and a former coach. Essentially, this is on CBS Sports. You can read about all of the. Back and forth here, but essentially Rex Ryan on the ESPN show that he's on in the morning said something to the effect that he is offended that he that Robert Sala was compared to him because Robert Sala defensive coordinator, Rex Ryan defensive coordinator and Rex Ryan felt that his resume leading up to him getting the Jets job that Robert Sala now holds is a lot stronger than what Robert Sala put out there with the 49ers and he had some statistics to potentially prove that. Um, and Sala heard about it, was asked about it on a, I believe a radio show and kind of said, quote, he knows where to find me, meaning Rex knows where to find me if they want to talk or whatever else. And uh kind of said, you know, are you surprised at the comments? No, he always has something to say was kind of what Robert Sala said there. So a little bit of, verbal sparring between a former Jets coach and a current Jets coach. So, uh, I don't know, made headlines. I I think it's a little petty from both of them, to be honest with you. I don't even know why you want to go there, but is what it is. We talked a little OBJ earlier, just in terms of the, the Browns getting rid of him, uh, because of all the issues there. He has a quiet night in the Rams' loss. Quote, it just wasn't our night. And, of course, a lot of memes galore were going around about how he's just ruining teams left and right because the Rams got pounded. Uh, But, quote, they played better than us in all phases of the game. Beckham said afterward they just outplayed us. It just wasn't our night. There's no way around it. It just wasn't our night. All three phases. Um, So this is on Pro Football Talk. You can see this also on a number of – Different outlets here, but that is. I'll, I'll put that link in the live chat for everybody as well. That's going to do it. We covered a lot. We've gone over an hour. Hopefully, you enjoyed all of this on the week eleven. I can't believe we're already in week eleven. Happening headlines where we talk about the Cincinnati Bengals, the NFL, the AFC North. Um, this is also known as the water cooler chat, also known as all kinds of different stuff. But. Uh, it's just basically we're going over news and shooting a lot at you at once. We've got our Wednesday show coming up. We may have a special guest. We're working on that. We'll let you know if that uh, comes to fruition tomorrow. If not, it will be in the near future. But we'll let you know about that. We've got a roundtable with the other Cincy Jungle podcasters, myself, John Sharon, Ace Boogie, Zim Hude, and Matt Minnick. We're working on scheduling that. Probably going to be at the end of the week to kick off. The second half of the season for the Cincinnati Bengals. And of course, we've got post game shows, all kinds of different stuff coming at you on the Orange and Black Insider and on the Cincy Jungle Podcast Network. I mentioned at the top of the show subscribe on your favorite audio platform iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all the major ones were there. Subscribe. And then, of course, you could subscribe to our YouTube channel. I believe it's right down here. You can click on that. To subscribe click the bell to be notified when we go live when new content is available we're going to get out of here enjoy the rest of your week we've got a lot more coming at you on this show and on the podcast channel keep it tuned there keep it to cincyjungle.com for all your news opinions analysis breaking news all the stuff we got you covered have a good week everybody